Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Face Walkers. Thank you for joining us on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but as a mindset coach, what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Felicia Monet. She's a mother of two, a media talent TV producer and consultant. She was the voice of Miami, a staple on WEDR 99 Jams, which was the number one station for hip hop and R&B for over 10 years. And she was on Star 92.7 in the Cayman Islands. Felicia has been in radio for... 17, over 17 years, and interviewed hip-hop stars, including P. Diddy, Lil Wayne, Rick Ross, Trina, as well as national figures, including leaders like former President Barack Obama and Louis Farrakhan. Felicia is the founder of a nonprofit organization, I Am Greater Than Yesterday, which helps young women discover who they are and their passions in life. Please welcome to the show, Felicia Monet. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. Thank you for having me. So the reason I wanted to have you on as a guest, and I've been wanting to ask for so long and had to get over my fear <laughs> of <Okay. laughs> uh, reaching out because we were both speakers during an event for Art Basel, Miami, in 2018, Gaffer event mm-hmm. and I heard you speak and of all the speakers that day you resonated with me the most and there were so yeah. many different reasons for that and one was your humility two was the genuine way in which you shared your experiences and the way that you spoke about your faith and you know law of attraction and how things happen so those are very big things for me and I've been following you since and when I finally got over that hump I was like okay just ask just ask just ask and I asked and thankfully you said yes <laughs> yeah so i like to start the show with an icebreaker question a super simple one i believe that as women we have all these different titles that we go by and i feel that a title that holds a lot of weight that isn't given an enough significance is our name because our names have meaning my question to you felicia is do you know what your name means i actually do not know what Felicia means, but my born given name, Amalia, means rose out of the concrete. So I always took that as hope and pushing through and perseverance. So yeah, my my given name, Amalia, means rose out of concrete or rose in the uh, desert. Those two. (laughs) I love that. So I had Googled Felicia and it means lucky, fortunate, and happy. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. I like that. (laughs) <laughs> I like that. Says your name, that's what they're declaring, that you are lucky, fortunate, and happy. Yes, I like that. <laughs> that's awesome. I want to ask Felicia, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? You know, I wanted to be a lawyer, but then when I realized how much school I had to do, I was like, ah, I don't know about that. But I was always very opinionated and Some would say argumentative and always playing the other side of the fence. But yeah, I did. I wanted to be a lawyer. I'm always into the justice system and doing what's fair. But then I would say towards the later part of high school, I just was like, oh, I want to get into radio. Fell in love with the culture of hip hop. 
and I was always listening to the radio, like a true radio head. And I was like, yeah, I think I could do this. Wow. Now that you're in that field, can you share with us the journey of how you actually became, you know, a media talent TV producer? I went to college at Eastern Connecticut State University. I was there for two years and uh, my major was mass communication. And I started to intern at, you know, the college radio station, had a very late show. It was only for like an hour. And then due to unforeseen circumstances, I uh, actually got expelled out of college. Um, oh, wow. Unexpectedly. Yeah. And I went back home to live with my mother. And every day she reminded me of how disappointed she was. And oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. You have younger brothers looking up to you, and now you're back home. So I was home for about two years working a regular telecommunications job, customer service. You know, I did some retail. My best friend, Keisha, was attending SAM. She was going into her junior year, and actually she wasn't. She might have been going to her senior year. Either way, she was like, you should just, you know, re-enroll and, you know, go to FAM. They have a really good communications and journalism school. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, it's time for me to get out of New York. I've never went to Florida before. I'm thinking Tallahassee, Orlando, Miami are all the same thing. I'm like, (laughs) palm trees, you know, Mickey Mouse. And it was none of that. I just thought Florida was this big old palm trees and amusement parks and when I got to Tallahassee I was like oh okay it's cold up here okay so when I got there there was a little misstep for whatever reason all of my all of my credits wouldn't transfer into fam and uh, they were like well you have to go and you know the, the best way to transfer is getting an AA so I took some courses at Tallahassee Community College And then when it was time for me to transfer over, I did just that. I was in school at the J school for about maybe that's three semesters before an opportunity came to me to work in radio. I was going to school and working at a sneaker store um, in Governor Square Mall. And a well-known DJ was always coming in there. And he became like a, a client of mine. And he was just like, you have a, a, you have a personality that, you know, needs to be on radio. And I'm like, yo, like, I'm, I want to do radio. So he was like, yeah, come <laughs> to the station on Saturday. And I literally showed up to the station on Saturday. And I started working that weekend with no, like, you know, I always say it was like the right place, right place, right time, but literally no experience on how to run a show, what needed to run a show, how to run the board. Luckily, it was, you know, all computerized at that time. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't too hard. But yeah, so started doing that. I was doing that on um, the weekends. And then an opportunity came for me to co-host the night show with another jock. And I did that. And, you know, the station that I worked for was a very small Black-owned station. And it was an amazing experience because I got to really have my hands in everything from Mm -hmm. sales to promotions to understanding how to organize certain events and running your own show and cutting your own commercials and just really be hands-on. And that was like the best learning experience. However, the station signal wasn't as strong in the city of Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. So it like hit all of the outskirts, all of like the small surrounding areas, you know, Thomasville and Quincy and, you know, all these small forgotten towns and cities, you know, (laughs) because Tallahassee is the capital. And um, I just remember telling myself, you know, 
I want to be in the city. Like, I want to be heard in Tallahassee. And I was cool with all of the other radio personalities and DJs at the other stations. And then one day I got a phone call from the program director over at the competitor radio station. It was 100.7 The Beat, which at the time was a clear channel station, which is now known as iHeart. You know, he, he called. Yeah, he called and was like, hey, we have a position available. I've been watching your movement for some time and we would like to have you part-time over the weekends. And I was like, all right, cool. So I took a weekend job there. I left my full-time radio job and I decided to do part-time. And in between working at the smaller station before I made the transition to Clear Channel, I had stopped going to school. I just was so engulfed in everything that I was doing. I was just like, I'm doing what I want to do. So for me at that time, it was like, why am I going to sit in class? (laughs) Why? Why? You know, I just want to be available. So I did. I I dropped out of school and I really just went hard in the radio world. And at that time, it paid off because I was able to be recognized from the bigger station in the city. And I started working over there. And then from that part-time weekend gig, it was like, hey, do overnight. Then I started doing overnight. And that's where I really just started to focus on establishing myself Mm -hmm. as a name and really understanding that it takes more than just being a voice. You know what I mean? Like to really Mm -hmm. connect with the audience and really be able to like leave your mark on the culture. So Mm -hmm. I started to reach out to local up and coming artists and was really in the independent scene and was attending a lot of, you know, record pools. And there was this one guy who was super talented and he was breaking out of his group to pursue a solo career. You know, I'm, I'm talking about T-Pain. And <laughs> I got a hold of his album. And I'm talking about T-Pain pre-signing. So I got a hold mm-hmm. of his, you know, I'll call it a mixtape because he it wasn't officially out yet. So I got a copy of his project and I just remember falling in love with it. I mean, literally from start to finish. And there was just one song that I was like, I got to get on my show. And granted, I'm on the radio from like two to six in the morning. I'm like, and eh, nobody's really, you know, listening to me, <laughs> you know. And, and at the time, I had a lot of freedom. Radio job back then, if we were short in our hour playing music, we could add songs. So it just Mm -hmm. so happened that like every hour in my two o'clock hour, I always had a slot that I could add music. And I would always go to his project and and play this one record. And then next thing I know, he starts blowing up, you know, and he's getting (laughs) signed. And it was just kind of like, wow, this is amazing. So from there, I was like, wow, the influence and the level of, I don't want to say necessarily helping, but like being in a position to bridge the gap, you know what I mean, was Mm. really what excited me. You know what I mean? Like that was like that passion. I was, oh my God, being in a position to be like, oh, let me connect you with this or let me, you know, use this platform and get your voice heard, get your song heard. Mm -hmm. Like that for me was... Yeah, planting seeds. And at the time, I didn't even think that he would be a Grammy Award winner. <laughs> I mean, actually, I did really because he's super talented. So, but it was just like, you don't know when you're in it, the effect. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, I was doing that at some time. And then from overnight, it ended up being, I think they offered me a night show, but I, I moved to the uh, nighttime slot and then I ended up going to midday. And then. <laughs> 
when I was working midday, I got pregnant with my first son and uh, I was out on maternity leave and there was just so many changes that was happening in the radio world at the time. A lot of mergers and a lot of formats were being flipped from like urban to like talk or sports talk. Mm-hmm. talk. Like that was like the new wave. And I remember getting a call like, yeah, you know, we're going to have to let you go. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, While you were on and that it wasn't, Yeah, because the whole wow. station flipped format. So it was no longer a hip hop and R&B station. It became a sports talk radio station. And I mean, we all lost jobs. It wasn't just me. It just hit me different because I'm about to have a baby and I'm about to start this family. And now I'm like this world that I knew, you know what I mean? And really not Mm -hmm. having a backup plan was like, whoa, what do I do next? So had my baby and I knew Tallahassee at that time just I wanted more because I was so plugged into the radio world and the station that I had worked for was no longer in existence. I didn't see any purpose for staying there. And then it was like time for me to, you know, raise my son. And it was just like, okay, let me take a leap of faith. Let me go and move to South Florida and figure this motherhood thing out. (laughs) So that's exactly (laughs) what I did. I mean, South Florida and (laughs) had no, I don't want to say no connections because when I was in Tallahassee, like you had mentioned, like you plant these seeds. So there was mm-hmm. a lot of seeds that were planted. There was a lot of relationships that were fostered. There was a lot of, you know, building and laying down the foundation, but I just didn't realize how to connect all the dots. So when I right. came to Miami, coming from Tallahassee, which is like just a you know, it's a small college town. I mean, it's the capital, but it was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and it was like going from a small pond to like the really big ocean. And I remember coming down thinking so naively that I could just transfer. Oh, I worked for Clear Channel for five, six years. They must have me in their system. Like it should be just an easy thing to just start over in Miami. And it definitely was not that. It was, Felicia, what? Okay, yeah. (laughs) What market were you working in? It was a lot of emails that were sent. It was a lot of unreturned calls. You know, I remember having a coworker of mine who worked at the same station in Tallahassee with me, got a position at one of the stations down here in Miami. And I remember feeling so happy for her. And But then I had like this feeling of like low key. It's not entitlement, but I just was like, oh, she's in cool. She's going to extend. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we work together. She's in position and it's like, okay, cool. I should be able to get in now. And it doesn't have to be, like, a full-time show. Like, I would have just been cool if you stuck me on Sunday morning at, like, 5 in the morning. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I just, in my mind, I remember just having this thought of it now being a viable option. And it wasn't. And Mm -hmm. I think the level of, I don't know if it's, like, disappointment, but I guess things not happening the way I thought they would happen made me not feel good inside you know what I mean like this is all Mm -hmm. I knew this is all I wanted just had the baby you know I moved down Amir was like maybe he was less than six months old wanting to get back into work and then realizing that I couldn't get into the field that I wanted to I just started to like have and I'm going to be honest like a level of resentment or like 
a level of bitterness. And I remember praying, like, I don't like the way this feels. Like, I don't like the way this energy feels inside of me because, honestly, nobody owes me anything. But it was like when you love something so much and for whatever reason you're not able to do it, (laughs) you know, when you want to, you're frustrated. You know what I mean? And it Mm -hmm. got to the point Mm -hmm. where I couldn't even listen to the radio. It was like, no, because I would listen to the radio and I, I would be like, that's supposed to be me. But then it's like that mindset is a bad mindset to have, in all honesty, because it's not supposed to be me. When right. it is for me, it will be. You know what I mean? So right. it's like I had to really, really, really look within and check myself. And I never really had to do that because, again, I was always at the right place at the right times and things was just flowing and moving and I didn't necessarily have the same start as an intern and then work your way up. I started right. on a Saturday with my own show. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, 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 I wasn't that good, you know? I, I, I listened to old air check tapes and I was a whole hot mess, but I was already in position. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was like right. my experience in the music industry or in the radio world was just different. I was always able to just be in position and kill it. To really have a, a true reset it was hard. And I looked within and I just remember, I was like, you know, I have to find something that I love doing. And I am always a people person. That level of engagement, being social, like customer service. Like I just always loved that. So I started working Mm -hmm. at a mall, working at Coach, and I loved it. I really did. To the point where it was like, I was offered my own boutique store they were opening up and I don't know if you're familiar with South Florida but I was in Palm Beach at the time and I was working at Wellington Mall and they were opening up on Worth Avenue which is equivalent to like Fifth Avenue in New York City like Rodeo Drive it was like real Mm -hmm. money and they were opening and launching this flagship store in Worth and because my sales were so good they were like yo you can come over here let's (laughs) launch this and I was just like eh even though I was happy doing what I was doing, I just I didn't want it and mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. And around that time I remember there was all this marketing of the secret and I didn't really understand what it was, but I would see like just these clips and people would talk about it and I'm like, Well I wanna know what the secret is. Like what is the hell what is the secret? <laughs> and I remember it was like these clips that I would see online where it was like coming soon. It was like a teaser. And I just was like, okay, well, I don't know what this is. If it's a movie, I'm intrigued by it. And I want to get my hands on this DVD. And my son's father at the time was a DJ. And he was just DJing a showcase on South Beach. Very random. I'm in the cut. I'm strictly just his baby mama in the club. Like, I'm doing nothing. (laughs) You know, I'm super low-key. I'm just sitting down, watching the artist perform. And this guy comes up to me, and here I go, all full of myself, like, oh, I got a man. You know, you're trying to talk to me. And he was like, no, I'm I'm actually not, ma'am. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) He was like, I want to give you something. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Okay, he's probably going to give me his mixtape because we're at a showcase. And he gives me this DVD. And on the DVD, it's written, you know, in like Sharpie marker, The Secret. And I was like, oh. and he just like walked away. I couldn't even thank him. And I was like, oh, 
is this like the secret? But hold on now. And then I went home, <laughs> put in the DVD player, and I was like, oh, my God. And literally that changed my life. It changed my perspective on things. And, yeah, <laughs> from that point on, I was like, you know, I'm going to manifest everything moving forward into my life. And I would say, of course, I viewed it as manifesting only positive things. But, you know, years later, I realized that you manifest everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. That's right. You know, so after watching that DVD, I just started to have a different outlook on life. And I started to feel better. And I started to really own and champion everything that I was doing. So in addition to like working at Coach, I took another job. It was like a customer service job, placing nurses, like travel nurses, because that was a job that was giving me like benefits, right? Medical coverage Mm -hmm. and things like that. And it was just a little bit more stable. It was like a nine to five. And so I'm working these two jobs. And I remember on my son's second birthday, I get a call. I'm literally walking into his grandmother's house with Publix cake in my hand. And <laughs> he's like, yo, Fee, it's Griot. And I was like, what up, Gri? And Griot is just, you know, DJ Griot. He was somebody who I always hung out with when he would come into Tallahassee because he was Trina's DJ at the time. And he called and he was like, yo, my boss wants to hire you. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, what? And I mean, I knew he had just got hired at the radio station about a year earlier. Of course, I was super excited about him. I would have never thought that I would get a phone call saying a year later, program director wants to hire me because I never filled out an application. Mm -hmm. I never even submitted an air check. Like, I literally was at a place in my life and just mentally where I was like, I'm letting radio go. Maybe it's a thing of the past. Maybe I was only supposed to do do this at this time in Tallahassee, and now I start over. And I was really at peace with that. So I no longer (laughs) resented anything. I didn't have any, like, ill feelings. You know, I could listen to the radio again, but I was utterly (laughs) shocked. I was really utterly shocked. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, yo, like, I need an air check. And I was like, an air check? And then I get off the phone and I'm like, wow, it just became full circle. On my son's second birthday, I had an opportunity to get back into what I love. Mind mm-hmm. you, that when I'm out on maternity leave, I lose what I love to really birth right. life, which is my true love. You know, so it's like this yeah. full circle, ill moment of just, whoa, God, like, this is, this is real, like. This is a reminder of this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my calling. Mm -hmm. I remember being so excited and I'm like, oh shit, I don't, I don't have an air check. (laughs) Like I've been (laughs) out of the radio world now for some time. The songs are different. I'm like, how can I piece this together? So I just went back and I remember getting old clips together and I'm listening to this air check and I'm like, I'm talking over songs that are so old, but this is what I have. And I submitted it. And um, Memorial Day weekend, I was told to come to the radio station. And this is 99 Jams. This is WEDR. This is a heritage pillar station in South Florida. You know, it was started from a black man. You know what I mean? And it was just like, Mm -hmm. whoa, I would have never imagined. And I remember driving from Palm Beach to Hollywood, Florida. 
where the radio station was and sitting in the parking lot and just looking up at the sign and just crying. Real life, like, whoa. I didn't even walk in the building yet, girl. I was a whole hot mess. I was just, <laughs> just looking at the sign like, this is real. Whether or not I would have officially got hired or even if I was just being considered, that was enough for me. Like, that was enough of a reminder yeah, uh, of like, I could do this. Mm-hmm. So I remember meeting my program director, Derek Baker, and he told me to come in. It was like real early. It was like nine in the morning on a Saturday. Mind you, Memorial Day weekend in Miami. So we know the vibes are like crazy lit. It's Everybody's in town. <laughs> Everybody might be recovering from partying too much, you know, the night before. But, you know, it's nine in the morning. I'm thinking he's just going to show me the building, you know, maybe have me fill out some paperwork. Because, again, I never completed an application right so shows me the studio I'm sitting in his office and he's just you know talking to me you know he's like you you come highly recommended I asked about you and your your name is clean and you know I just really want to make sure that whoever I hire has like a mindset of team and I'm like yeah like that's me and he was like you know I know you just had a baby and I'm like yeah yeah you know I did and he was like so is there any baby daddy drama and I remember looking at him like, can I curse? Yeah. <laughs> is it okay for me to curse? Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, go ahead, go like ahead. what is, what do you mean? So I just remember feeling this whole great professional conversation is happening. And he asked me if I had baby daddy drama. And I looked at him and I was like, uh, no. He's like, okay, but, you know, I just got to ask the ladies, you know, and you have a baby and I just want to make sure because my level of expectation is you're going to have to be here. So, you know, how's the baby? I mean, he's asking me all these questions and I was like, damn, okay. Yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, and I love BB and I tease him about that all the time because I'm like, I guarantee you never ask any of your guy DJs or your guy personality mm-hmm. these questions if they have mm-hmm. baby mama drama. But it's okay. We don't right. give you the pass. So um, <laughs> he, <laughs> you know, we laugh about it now. But at the time, I was like, nah, like, I'm all in. And he was like, all right, well, it's 11 o'clock. He's like, how about you just get on air for a few hours? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you want me to just talk? <laughs> Again, being at these places where it's just like, go. You know, you want something so bad, it's like, okay, well, now it's time to show out and show up. You have to deliver. Okay, when I tell you at 11.02 when I opened that microphone, I don't know what I sounded like because I couldn't hear myself talk. Like the level of (laughs) knots that was in my throat. Like I don't even know if I was even sounding like, I don't know. I just remember the amount of nerves that I had. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I, like, I got to get this out. I was writing down my breaks on a, on a notebook. You know, it just was so, oh, my God, like, I'm really on the radio in Miami, Memorial Day weekend at 11 o'clock, and he just left me in the studio. Like, this is the first time <laughs> he trusted you. I'm in the studio. You know what I'm saying? Like, I haven't been on air in, like, almost three years. I'm like this is crazy. But by one o'clock, I started to feel a little bit better. But I honestly could not tell you what I sounded like. I just know that I was so excited <laughs> to get the hell out of that studio <laughs> and be done. And he hired me. And then I was faced with the decision of, okay, now this is my third job, right? I mean, of course, he, he gave me weekends. It was three to like 6am. It wasn't even like a full shift because 
the person who was doing weekends overnights was actually doing 12 to 6. And he was like, all right, Bear's going to do 12 to 3. You're going to do 3 to 6. It was like one day out of the week on a weekend. I could still work my weekend job during the day. I could still work my 9 to 5 during the week. So I was doing all three things. And I did that for about a year. And I just remember saying, something has to go. Like, I can't keep Mm -hmm. doing this. I started to really be bored with my 9 to 5 job. And I was like, look, I'm just working this coach job on the weekends. It's time for me to go. I left. So around that time, the it was like talk of a recession. So we're talking about like maybe 2008. And um, yeah. I remember walking into my supervisor's office and telling her I am thinking about leaving. And she was just like, why? You know, and I saw people in the company get let go. And she was like, you know, I want you to know you're one of our top performers. I don't want you to think in any way with everything that's happening with the layoffs. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, I just really want to follow my passion. And I explained to her that I was working part-time at the radio station. And she looked at me and was like, okay, what? You want to leave (laughs) this job that is offering you medical benefits for your toddler, a level (laughs) of job security. I'm taking a triple pay cut to focus on a dream in the middle of this recession that's about to hit. Oh, you're bugging. And I was like, yeah, I know, but that's what I'm going to do. And it was like all or nothing. I can't have one foot in thinking I'm going to be able to yield the results that I want. I'm putting in 25% of my time, but I want 100% return. How does that work? That doesn't match up. So I'm like, yo, I'm going to give 100%. So I, I stopped working that job, and I just remember always wanting to be available. I always wanted to be the go-to person when our midday person was out sick or this person was on vacation or there's like a remote during the day. And because I was so bogged down by this nine to five, I couldn't do that. You, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I couldn't do that. So it was like, all right, well, I got to make a sacrifice. So I let it go. And me working uh, overnight on the weekends ended up me doing overnight during the week, ended up me doing filling in for Khaled when Khaled was starting to really focus on his music and get on the road. And then it was like, oh, Khaled's not coming back. He done made it. I'm just going <laughs> to fill this spot. So I ended up doing doing night. And then the ratings were really, really good. And I ended up moving up to doing afternoons. And it has been a very long journey, but everything has always been a fast level of growth, you know, like starting Mm -hmm. at this point and then being able to go to this point and then going to this point and then going to this point. And it didn't happen necessarily overnight. I gave myself, I said, I wanted to work at 99 Jams for five years, but I ended up working there for 10. And in that 10-year mark, I can honestly say I grew. I didn't grow as fast as I thought in my timeline, but it's never our timeline. It's always God's timeline, right? It's always something greater than us, putting us in positions when we're supposed to. When I um, was doing afternoons, I had some really amazing experiences. You know, I had President Obama call in. I was able to have, you know, a sit down with Minister Louis Farrakhan, which by far for me is like one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. And I've had really, really amazing moments. And I got pregnant. 
with my second child. And I just was like, I want to do things different. I was just like, you know, the level of commitment wasn't the same. This level of willingness wasn't the same. And look, when you start in the game, you know, you work hard so you don't have to do certain things anymore. And I felt like there were certain things where it was like, I'm not there, you know, and I had to identify that as my passion has changed and shifted a bit. And the sacrifices Mm -hmm. that I made and this level of like mother's guilt that I had with my firstborn, I was like, I don't want to do that again. Mm -hmm. I missed so much of my oldest son's life just because I was working. And of course, you know, as moms, like this is what we do. We have to like learn how to find like this work mom balance. But um, I just didn't want to do it the same way. I just realized you asked me one question. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> go with your, with your next question. Because I just realized I'm just going and going and going. <laughs> I, had, I had so many questions, but you were just going. So I was like, okay, go ahead. Listen. Girl, want, just jump on in here. Whole, but I wanted to hear it all. Like, <laughs> you have such a dynamic story. So, okay. So I wanted to speak to what you said about the secret. Because that that's also yeah. a big deal for me. So when you came across the documentary and once you watched it, how it actually changed your life, what's something that you wish everyone knew about The Secret or The Law of Attraction? I want people to know that it all starts within, right? And there's so many other universal laws than just The Law mm-hmm. of Attraction, right? That's right? So it's like to really just study and study yourself and have an appreciation of where you are and understand that everything, <laughs> the, the the place that you are at is where you're supposed to be at that moment. Even though it right. might not make sense, you know, you have the power within to shift and change certain things because it all starts with perspective. And right. I, I think for me, the biggest thing or the biggest takeaway is understanding that the glass could be half empty or it could be half full. And when it's half full, you don't never have to think about being thirsty because mm-hmm. how you view that glass is it's always flowing. It's half full. But when you start thinking that it's half empty, you're like, oh, my God, my water is about to run out. Then that worry mm-hmm. and that anxiety, and then next thing you know, you don't have no more water. It's so scarcity it's like, mindset. Yeah, it's like perspective is everything, you know, and understanding, you know, the, the power of your thoughts and the power of your mind. And it's not just necessarily the good. You know, because you can right. also will fill some negative things. As what you well. focus on grows. Absolutely, yeah. So when you spoke to how you came across the secret, it totally reminded me of how I ended up coming across it because I had a friend of mine back. I'm gonna say maybe it was. I don't recall if it was around the time of my divorce in 2009 or the time that my sister passed in 2012. But I remember both times going through like this depression. And a good friend of mine kept saying, I need you to watch The Secret. And I wasn't interested. And he literally brought a DVD over to my house. And I believe it was just like yours, like marked on it with Sharpie, like The Secret. (laughs) And he put it into my DVD player and forced me to watch it. And at the time, I wasn't ready for it, but I watched it. And Mm. shortly after that, I'm going to say maybe 2013, I believe, I was selling real estate full time at the time, but okay. I had started doing the mindset stuff, you know, putting positive stuff out there because I was working on myself and a total stranger who saw one of my tweets on Twitter 
messaged me. No, he called me because my phone number was online and said to me, you know, I love the positive stuff that you put out there. I have an opportunity for you to come and meet Bob Proctor. And I thought that he was talking trash. So I was like, I'm busy, buddy. I'm a, you know, I'm doing a real estate deal right now. Send me an email. And he sent me an email of a picture of him and Bob Proctor and the details of where the meeting was going to be that weekend. And I thought I had looked up Bob Proctor's courses and for those mm-hmm. who don't know, Bob Proctor was one of the thought leaders featured in the movie, The Secret. And mm-hmm. I had looked up his courses and there was a course that was like $12,000 for the weekend. And this guy was offering me an opportunity to come meet Bob for free. And I thought, mm, this has to be a joke. And everything in my spirit was like, no, you need to go. And everything that could go wrong that day went wrong. Like I got lost, mm-hmm. gas, like everything under the sun. But I forced myself and I went yep. and when I got there, Bob was standing, it was at a hotel conference room, and Bob Proctor was standing at the door greeting people as they came in. My jaw hit the floor. That meeting, I had an opportunity to connect with his wife. I didn't even know who she was. I was, you know, super introverted at the time, and I went and sat at the table by myself, and she came over and was talking to me, didn't say who she was, just, you know, started asking Uh questions about myself. And by the time I was done, she's like, oh, wow, that's so inspiring. You need to tell my, my husband the story. And I said, who's your husband? And she turns, she's like, Bob. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but wow. He got wow. up to the, the room and he started talking and it blew my mind. I had never looked at life the same after that. And I was blessed with the opportunity to stay connected with them, literally mentored by his wife, his daughter and himself personally for almost a year. So his wife actually wrote the foreword for my first book. And I still don't understand to this day, even though I now understand the law of attraction, how it all ended up happening. But like you said, it changed my life, like forever, how I see things, totally understanding how we manifest the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. So whenever I see a series of bad things happening, I'm like, okay, <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what am I focusing on? What are my thoughts, feelings, and actions doing to contribute to this? So it's been huge. But the next thing I wanted to ask you is how do you handle motherhood and finding balance in the professional sector? Girl, I don't know if I got to <laughs> handle it. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a real life struggle. Like, honestly, my son's son, I'm a Libra. So I'm a scale. I should really know how to balance better. But sometimes one side tips more than the other. And for me, it's I give so much of myself into whatever I'm doing. So I made the transition into TV production now and I'm all in, you know what I mean? I'm giving a hundred percent, but me giving a hundred percent into this one thing makes me not give a hundred percent into other things. And those other things sometimes are my family, are my kids, you know, is my partner, you know, and myself, you know what I mean? So it's like every day I'm trying, you know what I mean? But I do like just going outside. You know, I do find balance of just kind of like having my feet touch the ground or touch the sand or, you know, listening to the wind. You know, I I like to have moments where I disconnect, where Mm -hmm. I'm not on social media, where I just need to like put the do not disturb on my phone. I, I love going to the beach to pray and listening to the waves, just having moments of stillness. I've never meditated in a routine type of way, but my meditation is like me sitting in a room alone. You know what I mean? Or me having quiet time. Like it's being really in tune with yourself. I know when, when I reach my max, 
you know, but finding balance between that, like work life and home life is, is hard. And it's just something that I'm, that I'm learning every day. You know, I have a very, very, very supportive partner who helps me tremendously. You know what I mean? And I think that's really important. You know what I mean? That's really, really important to have a support system that sees what you're doing and they can kind of step up where you lack. Mm -hmm. There's something that you've mentioned quite a few times, which I want to go back to because you've talked about being in tune with yourself, reflecting, looking within all of those things. And I want people to truly understand no matter what your belief is, how important that part is for myself. I mean, because I believe in Christianity and we're created in God's image. So there's a lot of power that we have that we actually don't tap into. There's a lot of things that if we are still and if we look within and if we learn to understand ourselves, we can better understand other people. There's so many different levels to it that I think that people are missing. So I love that you've mentioned that like numerous times. Mm-hmm. I want to ask, what inspires you the most about what you do? Allowing people to tell their stories. Like right now I'm in television production and I'm a producer on a well-known show. And despite the perceptions of the show, connecting with the cast and the talent and really allowing them to either accept and own everything that is going on in their life and almost kind of challenging them to be okay with opening up and exposing their stories and their truth, I think is inspiring in a way for me because it's like we all have our baggage. We all have right. these things that, you know, this level of dysfunction, whether it's in our family or whatever it is, what you know, these things that we're embarrassed of or these things of our past that we don't, you know, we just hide them away. But working with people and seeing how some of them are just, so open in their level of honesty, mm-hmm. I would say, inspires me. You know, honesty inspires me. I love that. A huge thing for me that helped me evolve as a person when I got into personal development was owning my own story. And the reason why I do this podcast and having other women come on and share their stories, like we can learn so much from someone else's story especially when they're authentic and transparent about their experiences because there's many people that are dealing with something and feeling like they're the only ones in that situation but then they hear someone especially the women that I have come on that are in successful positions but they too have experienced these you know same things whatever family situations or traumas or whatever their history may be I'd like to ask you, Felicia, like, what are some adversities that you've had to experience to get to where you are today? In the beginning, family support, I think, mm-hmm. and people, and not even just necessarily family, just your loved ones not understanding the reason why you're doing certain things. Your vision. Like, I'm a, yeah. yeah, I go with how I feel, you know what I mean? I'm less in my head, and I'm not necessarily the most practical or logical person I just always have always gone with my gut and gone with the with this feels right this don't feel right Mm -hmm. you know like you know what I mean and it's like so when I when it was time of like me leaving my job or my jobs for that matter because I've always left them that confused a lot of my loved ones like Mm -hmm. what do you mean like 
okay, you're dropping out of school. All right, you know, you're working this job that's really giving you part-time money, but I'm always sending you money. I'm tired of sending you money. I'm tired of, you know, the lights getting cut off. Like, when are you going to get it together? Mm -hmm. You need to learn how to be an adult. It's like, okay, mom, I get it. I know. And then it's like, (laughs) now I'm an adult. I have a child. I'm leaving my 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 job that that some people would love to be working at. You know, making really mm-hmm. good money. You know, and 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 medical benefits. And I'm like, all right, peace out, y'all. I'm done. You know, and so I know that confused a lot of people and it worried a lot of people. But those are some of the things that they wanted to support. They just didn't know how because of their mm-hmm. fears. You know what I mean? There, and yes. it was ad- it was adverse for me because some of those moments at my lowest, and when I say my lowest, I'm I'm talking in terms of like, you know, it could be exterior things like not necessarily having food in the fridge or, you know, the lights might have mm-hmm. been cut out. Those things are like even now it is like, okay, it's cool. Like it's not the end of the world. Like, you know what I mean? Right. So but in those moments it was always like the fear of letting them know that I'm really struggling financially. So I just never really told them. <laughs> so but I hear me, you. It, was a, it was like a mental thing. You know, it was like, again, I probably created most of those adversities, you know, just within. But outside of that, just on a more, I guess, surface way as, as far as career, I haven't really, really faced any. Just always worked hard and showed with my work ethic, you know, I would say would probably be the not making <laughs> the money part. <laughs> that, 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 that affects a lot and not really having the support. I found that a lot of entrepreneurs, if not all, have found when they decided to pursue their passion or their vision that their family or friends that they expect to support them don't support them. And there's a lot of people that have come to that point now that they're successful in doing what they're doing, understanding that it's not that your family and friends don't love you, but it is definitely based on their fears of, are you going to be okay? Are you going to make it? Their fears of, can she do it? And sometimes it has nothing to do with them not even believing in you. It's them believing in what's possible for them. They don't feel that it's possible from their perspective that they could do it. So their assumption is that, well, you, you can't, Mm -hmm. but I I love that you followed your intuition. Like you said, when you walked away from your full-time job with benefits to go after your passion, one of the recent courses that I've been doing with Bob Proctor is talking about being able to lead with your intuition, to actually listen to that, because a lot of people second guess it. A lot of people silence their intuition. And that's really God talking to us. That's God's whispers leading us in the right direction. And there are so many people that if you look at the people who are following the crowd, they're not necessarily successful. So if you see 95% of the people going in one direction, follow your intuition and go in the opposite, because that's what all the successful people are right now. Absolutely. You're right. You're right. And just that's kind of like the most recent part of my life, like me leaving my career of over 15 plus years to jump into a world that I'm like, I don't want this anymore. You know, like mm-hmm. I really left the radio station on a high because it was mm-hmm. like, okay, number one show, there's this level of success, but I didn't want it no more. 
You like, you know what I mean? It didn't feel yeah. the same anymore. It was like, yeah. eh, you know, you know, like it's cool. <laughs> you I'm followed your in. intuition. Yeah, it's like you know, the salary is good, but it was like it's time to go. Like when it's time to go, mm-hmm. it's time to go, honey. And it's like that's one thing <laughs> that is becoming more clear for me. When it's time to go, the process to get there is always shaky. But then when mm-hmm. when it's revealed and it's clear and it's like you hear it and it was like the universe was like yelling. It was like God in my ear. <laughs> and it was like, go, Felicia, now's the time to go, girl. Mm. It was scary because it's like, well, what happens if I ignored all of this? What type of the unknown is always scary. Like, you know what I mean? What type of if no? But if I stayed, if I stayed doing radio, going against mm. everything that my gut, my intuition, the the universe is telling me, I would feel like, oh my god, I would be literally walking right into my grave. And I was like, I can't mm-hmm. do that. Like, I, like, like this is sounding too much like a blessing. This is sounding too much like a lifeline. This is sounding too much like I'm trying to save you, girl. So come on, get up out this ship, you know? So yep. I jumped. Yep. So I literally jumped into a whole new world. And it's like, you're, you're absolutely right when you, when you, when you, speak on following your gut and your intuition. There's a a quote, I can't remember the person that said it, but there's a quote that Bob always referenced where he says, prayer is us talking to God and intuition is God talking to us. Mm, That's powerful. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to ask you, have you had any coaches or mentors that have helped you along the way? Yes, without them knowing it, <laughs> right? Without them knowing that they were the mentor, yeah. the coach. Like Angie Martinez was has been my mentor ever since I fell in love with radio. You know what I mean? Derek Baker, my program director, the one who asked me about my baby daddy when he hired me. Like that's, I call him <laughs> my life coach because he just gives another level of advice. You know what I mean? And it's not just in, you know, the professional realm, but, you know, DJ Grio is a, is a mentor. I call him, he, he sits up my board of advisors, people that I go to, not just in for career advice, but just personal advice as well. All of my homegirls, like everybody around me has played a part. So mm, I love that. You know, it's not necessarily just one person or somebody that is a legit licensed life coach, though I would love to speak to somebody professionally though but you know I have my tribe I have my community I have my friends and I have my family and and they have all played a part and are will continue to play a part. Love it. So you mentioned that you are a producer on a well-known show is that a a secret or did you want to say what show that is? Oh no no yeah no not a secret right now I am in the third season of Love and Hip Hop Miami huge franchise super excited I know that there was some chatter that you know the show got canceled but that ain't the case. Uh, <laughs> ain't the case. So, yeah, but, you know, that's what I've been doing these past few months. Nice. So this article that I came across from Reader's Digest that I ask all the women that come on the show, because it basically says that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. So my question to you, Felicia, is do you know what your favorite type of shoe is? Is it a high heel boot, a running shoe, a walking shoe, a Stiletto, flip clog, wedge, mule. Listen, girl, I'm a whole hot mess. I am a flip flop, sandal, slip on type of girl. But <laughs> my true preference is always comfort. So I would definitely say sneakers. <laughs> any any comfortable shoe. Okay, so it says a sneaker bus get along with everyone. You're someone who relates to people 
much younger than you, yet also feels comfortable conversing with someone much older. Sometimes you're an old soul and sometimes you're the life of the party. For sneaker buffs, age truly is but a number because you get along with everyone. The sneaker is very versatile, a very open person willing to explore a lot of options and ideas. They're energetic and ageless. They're really not old or young, and they seem to move fluidly through age-specific groups. Yep, that sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) It sure do. It sure does. That's interesting. So before I go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online. Of course. So on Instagram, it is I am Felicia Monet, and that's F-E-L-I-S-H-A-M-O-N-E-T. I do have a Facebook account. It's Felicia Monet, the fan page. I don't really be on there like that. Like, honestly, I forgot my password. So <laughs> I don't I don't remember. But, yeah, Facebook is Felicia Monet. All things Felicia Monet, really. Awesome. Okay, so I will have the direct links in the details of the episode so they can just click and connect with you directly. The final segment of the show, I call it A Walk in Her Wisdom, where I just ask some reflection questions and you say the first thing that comes to mind. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Queen of Fua, The Sacred Woman. Mm. Uh, as a woman, reading a book from another woman and learning the importance of the power of our womb and the power of mm. women in general and understanding, you know, we are what we eat. It always sucks with me like she has detoxes in there and certain herbs and remedies for natural healing and it's all about holistic health and I was gifted with that book over I don't know 15 years ago and it just stuck it just stayed with me wow so Queen Fua the sacred woman I wish I had heard of that book at least a year ago before I had to have a hysterectomy goodness oh girl (laughs) yeah I'm totally into natural healing for all of my other ailments, but yeah, that was mm-hmm. one thing I couldn't, didn't seem that I could have avoided, but anyway. Name one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made, and that could be money, time, energy. I would say in the general context, I would say betting on me, investing in me. Mm-hmm. What's speaking to my spirit is, you know, having children, you know, being a mom. Mm-hmm. I don't want to view it as an investment in terms of financial, but more of investing and understanding the power of love and commitment and and life in a whole other meaning. You know, it's like I do all of this for them, in all honesty, you know, it's it's not for me at this point. So I would say my children and my family. I love that. I totally resonate with that. I have three kids. I believe exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. What impact do you want to have on the world? A positive one. <laughs> I think positivity. <laughs> but no, I mean, I just think I would love to affect change for the better and whatever that means, you know, just as long as it's positive. Love and light, always. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Felicia. Thank you. You have no idea. I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Yes, thank you so much. I like the title of uh, Walk in My Stilettos, even though I'll probably be walking in my sneakers, but I love it. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Whatever way you walk, just walking in purpose. That's all that it means, girl. (laughs) Yes, yes. Love it. Thank you for having me. No problem. And to all you faith walkers out there, until next time, subscribe to our newsletter at awalkinmystilettos.com and grab a copy of one of my personal development books available online everywhere and if you've received value from today's show make sure that you share it with a friend that needs to hear felicia's testimony 
Be sure to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram. I am at the real McKinney Smith and Felicia, you are I am Felicia Monet. Perfect. And continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs>